is 67%. You've been listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. My guest presenter this morning is Car Ha. Good morning, Car. Good morning, Danny. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about the looming municipal waste charging scheme. Starting on 1st of April, households and private premises will be required to purchase government-approved plastic bags to dispose of rubbish, while oversized items will be charged by weight. If you fail to do so, you could be fined up to $1,500. But with just three months left before the scheme starts, property managers are expressing concerns over their expected role in enforcing the new rules. So how familiar are you with this new scheme? How effective will it be? And are property management fees at risk of increasing? After 9.45, we're going to be hearing about some alarming statistics um, in the Department of Health's annual student health survey assessment, service assessment. Let us know what you think on both topics. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call. The number there, 233 Our guest initially in the main segment of the show, we have Alan Sue, who is uh, Chief Executive Officer of the Property Management Services Authority, and Kenny Lamb, Coordinator of Love Recycling Plus. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Alan Sue, uh, let's start with you first. Um, You've been widely quoted uh, expressing concern, really, that um, property managers in Hong Kong are just just not ready for this. Is that right, Alan Sue? Good morning. Good morning. Um, the uh, municipal waste charging scheme will be implemented on the 1st of April. The uh, property management companies would play an important role in the implementation process. So as the licensing authority, we of course wish to know, uh, wish to find out how they are doing with their preparatory work. Uh, that's why we have uh, conducted the survey and it's found that over 90% of those uh, property management companies which have responded are doing the preparatory work in accordance with the procedures proposed by the Environmental Protection Department. But more work needs to be done in the remaining three months to ensure that there's smooth implementation. You said over 90% are doing uh, the work, but I I think I I also read you mentioned earlier only uh, at most about 11% had actually um, reached a consensus with uh, clients on implementing details of the scheme. Yes, you are correct, but these figures need to be put in proper perspective because many of such work involved, they are on an ongoing basis. So different parties may have different interpretation about uh, what do you mean by completion of the work. But over 90% of the uh, uh, property management companies which responded indicated they are dealing with the uh, uh, work, showing that they are paying attention and focusing on the matter. Yeah, and due to 90% have yet to reach the agreement with the clients, or actually, I assume a lot of people are not ready for this scheme to be started. So do you actually think the government should postpone it again or like give more time like to the transition period? Oh, we have been talking about this subject for a long time, so I think it's time that we should get on with it. Uh, there's still three months to go, and I think there's uh, uh, still time for us to... Uh, further completes the preparatory work. Of course, the government has more to do on the promotion and public education side. And uh, we also uh, wish that the uh, result of the survey would um, uh, invite the public to focus more on the subject because it's not just the uh, property management companies which are doing the preparatory work, 
they also need to work with the owners, the owners' organizations, uh, to get their endorsement on the procedures to be adopted. So I think all parties concerned would need to pay attention on the matter. That's an interesting point. So you're saying property management company, uh, very few finished, but most property management companies are working on this. But are you a little bit concerned that residents and owners' corporations are not so focused on this yet? Is that right? Yes, uh, it needs the, the collaboration of uh, both the property management companies and the owners' corporations. Uh, they need to agree on the various procedures to be adopted, how costs should be uh, met and apportioned. So uh, we hope that the uh, uh, result of this survey will trigger uh, the public to pay more attention on the matter. Now, let's I mean, you've been thinking through, through these things and you've spent much more time than any of us. What kind of problems are, are, you, are you preparing to uh, tackle? I mean, presumably one issue will be um, uh, when some residents just put their garbage out not in the correct bags. What, how, how are your members going to handle that kind of thing? Well, one issue which the um, uh, industry has a lot of concern is how to deal with non-compliant cases. I think the government would uh, have to do more uh, promotion and public education work on uh, how they would um, support the industry in dealing with these sort of cases. Um, for example, we, we understand that um, some sort of uh, mobile application uh, or hotline arrangement would be um, uh, made available to facilitate the um, uh, public management companies to uh, make complaints. So uh, all these will have to be dealt with. Yeah, and also uh, I'm thinking about the penalty-wise because the penalty for the government, like from the government, is like one thousand five hundred if we are not um, like listening or like uh, obeying these rules. So for for the property management, your 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 like managing level, to how how do you maintain this policy in your building? Is like you will have some penalty for the resident if they are not like following these rules well i think we we work on the uh, should work on the polluters pays principle so uh is the polluters which should be penalized the property management companies they are the facilitators they help with the waste collection process so uh, more support should be given to them uh, so that they could carry out their work more effectively and uh, the uh, the penalty should be targeted against the polluters now, how is this going to work? The pro or the the staff of the your, the your cleaners are the ones who identify the non-compliant cases, but you, you're not going to be the one levying any fines, right? The fines is a government responsibility. Uh, it is the um, public management companies which should report those non-compliant cases oh, okay. to the government, oh. and then the government, as the enforcement authority, will deal with the uh, polluters. Okay, and how about the cases um, in buildings where you have garbage chutes, right? And you won't be able to tell which resident is uh, non-compliant. Well, this is also a matter which the uh, pro uh, property management companies uh, do have some concern. And so uh, we hope that the government will be able to uh, provide uh, some solutions for them. And in this uh, matter, we are working with the Environmental Protection Department uh, to carry out more publication, uh, public education work so that uh, the property management companies will uh, be able to deal with these sort of specific problems. Okay, I can understand education, but 
I, I can't really see... I mean, what, what solution is there to garbage chutes? Because unless you stop using the garbage chutes, you're not going to be able to change the system. That, um, uh, that You just can't identify who's, who's put... Uh, unless you have a CCTV camera outside every single, um, every single yeah. garbage chute in a building, which would be immensely expensive. So it's um, uh, actually a, uh, uh, a combination of both public education and enforcement. It is hoped that uh, through these sort of um, uh, arrangements, we'll be able to encourage the uh, public to actually uh, comply with the law and to actually dump less and save more. Yeah, I, I, w- I would like to continue Danny's like saying as well because nowadays, nowadays we are like ordering food every every almost every day for me. So and also we are like having a lot of takeaway food. So if if we really need to you uh. After we finish the food, if we need to put it inside the government, like recycling bag, and then throw it away, or just can throw it away directly to the rubbish bin? Well, the arrangement is that uh, uh, all these sort of garbage should be put inside designated bags mm. and, and uh, to be uh, deserted and to be dealt with by the property management companies and the cleaners. And uh, if there is any uh, non-compliant cases, uh, the property management companies will report these cases to the enforcement authority. It sounds like that's one of the changes in uh, in habits. That I mean, people are very used to just putting it out there um, yeah. when they've ordered delivery services, putting yeah. out the the, 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 the rubbish, rubbish in, in that. Yeah. But in future, you, you you won't be able to do that. Um, I I saw the environment minister was quoted saying it could take Hong Kong residents three to five years to adjust their habits uh, following the introduction of pay as you throw waste charging scheme. Um, what's your response, Mr. Sue? Do you think that's uh, Three to five years, that's too pessimistic, or it, it really will take that long? Well, it's really difficult to say because uh, it's an entirely new arrangement. Uh, we understand that the, um, uh, the government has proposed to introduce an exemption period of six months, whereby uh, during these six, six months they will give advice and warning on those, uh, uh, in respect of those non-compliant cases, and prosecution will only be uh, taken after the exemption period. Uh, so we hope that with this six months exemption period, uh, the community will be able to adapt better to the uh, new arrangement. And just to clarify, you mentioned this before, you don't support uh, delaying the scheme, right? Do you think it's time to get on with it? Yes, I think it's time to get on with it. It has been with us for a long time. It's now for action. Mm. So uh, what about telling our audience to, to know about how can we get that kind of like plastic bag in the future or what is your uh, for example the property management service company will offer it to the residents or we need to buy it in a supermarket or something? There are different ways uh, to purchase the, um, uh, the uh, designated bags either through the property management companies or through other means. Uh, so we are working with the government and they will be uh, talking more about how um, the public could get access to those bags, and uh, they would also have um, intro- uh, they will also introduce early bird scheme to uh, encourage the property management companies to purchase those uh, designated bags, um, so that uh, to ensure that in time delivery for the implementation is from first of April. 
Okay, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Uh, that was Alan, Alan Sue, uh, Chief Executive Officer of uh, Property Management Services Authority, talking about the municipal waste charging scheme that's uh, coming into effect from April the 1st. And it's going to be a big adjustment for all of us in Hong Kong. Yeah. If you've got any thoughts, do email us at backchat at rthk, or you can go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and leave a comment there. Uh, now let's bring in a uh, frequent Backchat guest, uh, Kenny Lamb, who's the coordinator of Love Recycling Plus. Um, good morning, uh, Mr. Lamb. Welcome back to back chat good morning danny good morning alan good morning to you all <laughs> okay now your your main focus is on, on recycling and we'll, we'll talk about that a bit further but first of all your, your thoughts on the, the municipal um, waste charging scheme presumably you think this is long overdue yes i think one very important point i agree with alan is that uh, this has to start at some point uh we don't see this thing being an easy easy project to do but we need to take that baby step um and perhaps you know as we go on we can improve and uh, and see how the system is going to work to suit us and to help hong kong reduce waste and to help our, our environment Okay, and how about that? I already I asked uh, Mr. Sue about, but already that that, that that suggestion from the <laughs> excuse me from the environment minister that it could take three to five years before people change their habits. Just, well, I mean, you, yes, you 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 think that's a realistic estimate? And well, I think I think you know coming from an estimate or, or we should call it a guesstimate. Um, guesstimate, yes, guesstimate, yes. We have we have to see how people get on with uh, this charging scheme, and uh, I think one of the management property uh, property management company I talked to, one of the plan that they are looking into, is to actually charge each household um, a certain amount per month and provide them with a certain amount of bags. So in in that way, they can avoid people trying to not using the government bags to um, to dump their rubbish. So basically, they're going to price that into their management fee. And then every month, each household will get, for example, 10 bags or 15 bags. Um, In that case, people are kind of forced to 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 join in the scheme and um, and to look after their rubbish responsibly. But coming from the recycling side of things, uh, I think this this scheme is really also really important for people to try to reduce their waste. Because once we talk about um, you know charging people to throw their rubbish away, uh, part of the the kind of um, advantage is that people will start looking at how much stuff they're throwing away, and if they can reduce their waste and if they can recycle their waste, they don't actually need to put. Uh, rubbish into these uh, rubbish charge scheme because th- these bags are actually going to landfill um, and if uh, residents actually take their recycling down to the recycling points like uh, all the green at shops or if they use my service to collect recycling from their properties um, they don't actually have to use these bags yes yeah, so you you ex- presumably expect a boom in uh, services of you yeah. and other recycling companies after this starts because as you said right if you um uh, if you recycle, it's free, right? Whereas if you um, dispose of it, otherwise you're now going to have to pay. And for large yeah. items, you could end up paying quite a lot, I would have thought. Yes, that's correct. I mean, uh, one of the things that we get a lot now is the takeaway containers, and most of these can be recycled. And one thing I must stress is that uh, for recycling um, materials, they must be clean. So this is part of the the kind of process, the learning process. That, um, we Hong Kong residents have to learn is that you know, when we try to recycle stuff, we also have to make sure um, uh, materials have to be clean to be able to to recycle, and also we can reduce waste by recycling as well. 
when we talk about changes in, in consumer habits, I mean, Carl mentioned that earlier. I mean, the, the, when you talk about uh, takeaway food, that's going to be one of the biggest changes, isn't it? We're all very used these days to people order um, a, a takeaway or delivery food. And when you've finished, you just put the um, bags with the mm. containers outside, right? And you're saying that's going to have to stop. And also you can't, even if you want them to be recycled, you'd have to clean them up first, wouldn't you? Yeah, yes, that's that's correct. Yeah, I, I think that's the right way to go um, because nowadays people just throw everything out as rubbish. But uh, from my experience, if we actually look at our our waste that we throw out, uh, I think you know roughly sixty to seventy percent. If we put a little bit of effort in, we can actually recycle those materials. And once you recycle those, um, you don't have to pay for the, uh, the the rubbish bags because you'll be um, you know directing them to the recycling points or facilities uh, for them to be recycled. And the government is doing their part uh, in terms of opening lots of uh, green hat shops and uh, you know recycling collection points and so on. And this uh, rubbish trial scheme is hopefully is going to put a big spring uh, for the recycling industry in Hong Kong because people will really look at recycling their um, their waste rather than just throwing everything away uh, as rubbish. Um, you know, we've been doing this in Hong Kong um, up to now. So it's a very important uh, important step that Hong Kong takes to, to, uh, to reduce our waste. Yeah, maybe it will be a long journey for Hong Kong people to get used to the new changes, for example, like bringing our own recycling lunch balls or like cutlery and something when we go out to eat or like take away food. So, uh, and also I would like to know about, because I have a dog and he, mm-hmm. I need to walk him every day, almost yeah. every day. And then, but, but he yeah. is like, when we go out and then he will pull, pull outside. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I have like certain bags for, for him to picking up and collecting his like poo. But for like after 1st of April, do I need to actually buy the plastic bag, recycling bag from the government to, 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 to clean, it, clean it up or I can actually use my own original bag to do it? Uh, I, I have a dog myself as well, so I... Yeah, <laughs> is, face it, the same is, issue, right? is it a little bit confusing well, yeah. for you? So, it? I, I, I think you don't have to get, um, you know, a bag just for the dog pool, because uh, looking at the uh, government um, uh, rubbish bags charging, the smallest one is three-litre one, so I suppose you just have to put that, that bag into, you know, with your other uh, household waste when, uh, when it goes out as rubbish. Now, earlier on, uh, Kenny Lamb, you mentioned that uh, some property management companies are thinking of just uh, buying bags for all the residents, right? Including it in the management fee, yeah. um, which yeah. will solve, likely to solve the problem of non-compliant residents because the residents will get the bags for free. But um, then won't oh. it slightly undermine the whole purpose of the scheme? Because the whole purpose of the scheme is to encourage people to um, to throw out less and to recycle more because they're, they're having to pay for each, each bag. But if they're not having to pay the bags already included in a management fee, there's no incentive to, to to reduce their trash, is there? Yeah, sure. But uh, they can look at the level of, of, the, of how many bags they're going, to, uh, they're going to provide. Because obviously, we all produce waste that cannot be recycled, that has to go to the landfill. Um, so they are going to have to find a level that Probably just meet the kind of like minimum level, and for the for the people who produce more waste, they will have to uh, buy extra bags, um, you know, from Seven Elevens or from the management company. 
Um, and obviously, they can control the level. Say the first year, if everybody's using 10 bags a month, you know, maybe it's one of the target for the management companies say, look, we need to reduce waste next year. We're only going to include nine bags. <laughs> and then eight the year after, right? And so on. And then eight the year after. So I, I guess, you know, we, we should take this project as progressively as, uh, as possible. Um, we are thinking three to five years. Um, nobody really knows. It all depends on how Hong Kong people is going to adopt this, uh, this scheme and how, how much we're going to participate. Do you actually think the government have uh, enough promotion or education to the citizens about this changing? Uh, personally, no. I think the government can do more uh, in terms of um, educating the, the, the Westerns. And we always say education is important, but uh, from from the recycling point of view, I think it takes, it takes a bit of heart yeah. to, to do recycling. Because um, if you're not, you know, if you don't want to do recycling, you can treat everything as rubbish. And, you know, doesn't matter what the government do, doesn't matter what the government try to tell you, it's still not going to help with the waste uh, situation in Hong Kong. Mm. And uh, what I find is that when more and more people kind of like get on the train of recycling, it has a positive effect on, you know, neighbours and friends. And so when you see other people doing it, uh, you kind of um, get your vibe and you, you think you'll be thinking, you know, maybe that's what I should be doing as well, because, you know, more and more people are doing it. And so hopefully with the start of this, more and more people will be kind of treating our waste um, in a more responsible way. Let's explore that a bit further, because that's your business, your, your coordinator of Love Recycling Plus. Are you, you saying you sort of see a cluster effect once you start um, organising recycling from certain residents, maybe their neighbours and others in the area start yes. thinking about recycling as well? Yes, absolutely. Um, what, what I, uh, my company is still quite small, and we are getting a lot of organic growth, uh, which means if I get you know, two, three neighbours using my service, the likelihood is that uh, we we see more people within the same village or within the same building uh, who actually approach us themselves and say, well, actually, I like to use the service. We like to give it a try as well. Because um, recycling is one thing that nobody will argue with you. That is a wrong thing to do. Everybody will tell you <laughs> it's the right thing. It's a good thing to do. But, you know, not everybody would do it. They, yeah, they say it, but they don't do it. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, they take it takes effort as well. But once you see your neighbor or your friends doing doing recycling so easily and, you know, somebody come and collect it once a week uh, from, from your house and so on, and it, it gives the it gives you the idea that, you know, you know, maybe there's something I can do as well. We sometimes so uh, tend to think of recycling as sort of a, a middle class thing. And you look in areas like how I mean, I've, I've used a recycling uh, depot in Happy Valley. It's always absolutely full of people. But is that a fair assessment or from your experience across Hong Kong? I mean, people recycling everywhere. Yeah, I think from from my experience, it's it's more to do with the, the age um, rather than, you know, the, 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 so the, the class of people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one example is that when I first started doing the recycling business, my mum told me I was crazy because she said, <laughs> she, she said, she said, in Hong Kong, people throw away rubbish for free. Why would people pay you money to collect uh, recycling from their home? So I told my mum, look, um, there are people out there who knows the importance of looking after our environment. And there are people out there who knows uh, how difficult it is to recycle in Hong Kong. So uh, after that, um, I, I realized the people who are you know, joining me are kind of like um, middle-aged people. It's much harder to get the local 
uh, Westerners who are kind of my mum's age, maybe over the age of 50 or 60, because they see it as um, a pointless exercise because uh, they don't see the benefit of recycling. But people who has who's been through education, um, you know, maybe been to high school or, or university, um, maybe travel a bit or so on, they, they will kind of get the idea of we all have the responsibility to look after our planet. We all have to do our little bit for it. Uh, how long have you been in the recycling business now, Kenny? Uh, probably about two and a half years, two and a half years. And have you managed to change your mum's mind yet? <laughs> uh, yes. So the other, the other half of the story is that uh, after I started that, I actually put one of my recycling bins in her house. Um, and one day she was, uh, I was collecting and she was actually taking all her materials out for me that she's been keeping. Um, I didn't charge her, obviously, is my mum. <laughs> so uh, that... That day when she came out, she put everything in in her arms, um, you know, all the glass bottles and and, uh, newspapers and so on. So I asked my mum, why didn't you put it in a bag and give it to me? And she said, because I want to save a plastic bag. So that really, really kind of um, hit me at that point that even my mum can change. And I believe that if you give the people the opportunity to recycle easily, um, they will do it. Okay, well, well, well let's, let's take a break on that encouraging note because we need to break for the news. But um, uh, Kenny Lam yeah. will stay with us and we'll be joined by more guests. We'll continue the discussion after news. If you have any thoughts on this uh, uh, solid waste recycling um, uh, scheme, which is going to affect all of us, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page, at Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, and uh, leave a comment there. Uh, the weather forecast, well, it's going to be cool, it's cool in the morning um, and it's going to be dry during the day with a maximum temperature of around 19 degrees, but there will be sunny periods. In fact, the sunny period is going to continue into the next couple of days, although it's going to be windier on Sunday. Currently, the temperature is 16 degrees and the relative humidity is 67%. It's 9.30. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the news. A professor of psychiatry says the return of in-person schooling after the pandemic is increasing the emotional pressure on the SAR's children. Sandra Chan from the Chinese University was commenting after a health department assessment showed that 4,000 pupils reported attempting suicide in the last academic year. 95 people have been killed in Iran in a bomb attack at a memorial event for top military commander Qasem Soleimani, who was killed in 2020 by a US drone. And Russia and Ukraine have each exchanged over 200 prisoners of war in what's thought to be the biggest swap of the conflict so far. They were released as a result of mediation by the United Arab Emirates. It's the first prisoner swap since August. We'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. Many friends ask me why I'm so determined to do exercise for at least half an hour every day. Well, if you try it, you'll know why. It's all about sweating. Every time I exercise until I sweat, I seem to overflow with joy and strength, and I feel great for the rest of the day. Come on, start doing exercise with your family and friends. You can visit lcsd.gov.hk for details of its recreation and sports activities. My friend and I started smoking in our teens. I quit two years ago after knowing he had a stroke. The doctor said there is a strong link between stroke and smoking. Five years after quitting, the risk of stroke can be reduced to that of a non-smoker. Health is the most important thing for me and for my family. I will never smoke again. Quit now. Call 1-833-183.
Welcome back to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your guest presenter this morning is Kaha. In the second half of the show, we're continuing initially continue our discussion about uh, the municipal waste charging scheme that comes into effect on April the first. From April the first, we are all going to have to pay uh, to uh, dispose of our rubbish. Um, later on, we're going to be uh, talking about the Department of Health's annual student health survey assessment. A number of rather alarming findings there, particularly on the number of uh, secondary school students in um, Hong Kong who had both uh, considered and actually try to take their own lives. If you've got any uh, thoughts on either topic, uh, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can go to our Facebook page backchat on rthk radio free and leave a comment there. Let me just bring in one comment from a listener uh, on the issue of uh, municipal waste uh, charging. Um, Mike says, what is this new government plastic bag supposed to solve? More taxation without representation? Sounds a little British to me. Really, how many tons of government plastic bags are, are, are there. The territory's think tanks need a good flushing. Thank you very much, Mike. Our guest as we continue the discussion, still with us, uh, Kenny Lamb. Kenny Lamb is the coordinator of Love Recycling Plus. We're also now joined by Lien Tam. Lien Tam is a campaigner at uh, Greenpeace East Asia. Lien Tam, let's go to you first. Um, uh, are we ready for this, for the, the waste charging scheme on April the 1st? What, what's your thought? Uh, I think we should be ready for that one yeah because waste charging actually not a new thing in hong kong we have seen that for like 17 or 18 years already and compared to other cities like taipei tokyo so they already run the waste charging scheme for many years and we saw that that is quite effective and i think yeah it's time for hong kong to implement it and solve the uh, waste issue in Hong Kong. Yes, you make a good point, which we haven't really talked about on the show so far this morning, which is that um, um, many other big cities in Asia have been doing this for a long time. When we go to Taipei or go to Japan, right? They, they've been doing these kind yeah. of things for... What lessons can we learn from the experience of these other cities? Uh, I think like the waste charging scheme actually is the engine. It's the first engine to push it. Everyone know, oh, it's not free, like that you throw away the waste, you have to pay it if you are the polluters. But it's also very important that um, it's not only the responsibility of the customers or the citizens to pay the the fee only, but like other cities, they also have more like the uh, producer responsibility scheme. More and more producer responsibility scheme is there, hence like uh, to decrease the packaging volume of their product and also to provide like more recycling surface or the reuse surfaces of their product. And then the customers can really reduce their waste volume. I do think that in Hong Kong, it's the same case. Other than waste charging, the government has to put more effort in the producer responsibility scheme and promote the reuse culture. How, how will they do that? Because right now, once we have this waste charging scheme, there's incentive for households and so on to throw out less waste but there's no incentive financial incentive for the producers to um, produce less waste in the in the first place yeah yeah so that's why i think that there after the waste charging scheme there is dynamics the citizens know now the waste is not free you have to pay then maybe there's a uh, habit change people will be more aware of like the packaging or the product is that they really need it or actually they don't need it, then when they dump it, they have to pay it. Uh, like other cities, uh, they will um, like they will have a plan, <laughs> not like Hong Kong. Hong Kong government always like, oh, okay, I will do it, I will do it. They will never have a timetable. Like other cities, they will have a plan. Even recycling in Seoul, they have to pay. 
like if you uh, dump the food waste, they still have to pay even if you recycle it. And also in Seoul, they have a responsibility scheme is that they have to reduce the packaging in, in, the, in their product. Yeah. So it's like Hong Kong is necessary to start this scheme uh, on 1st of April. So we have to get used to it as soon as possible. So um, actually... What about how important actually this scheme to um, Hong Kong? Is it like the lens field in Hong Kong are already saturated or like how will it really help? Yeah, and um, actually, is it yeah, sure for me? Uh, yeah, yeah, so maybe, yeah, yeah. So, 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 okay. yeah, so go ahead, Leanne Tan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think for the lens field problem, I heard it when I'm a secondary school student. <laughs> yeah, it's helped for many years. It's saturated and we have to solve it. Um, but in many years, the Hong Kong government is, is still at a very slow pace. Mm-hmm. I mean, here is a time. Uh, this is the awareness building of uh, the waste is not free anymore. And you can see that actually Hong Kong citizen is quite alert of the money issue. Like, uh, if the plastic bag is $1, we can see that many people don't get the plastic bag anymore. But uh, when times go, yeah, maybe they will, we will have to waste it to $2 or $3 to keep keep the temperature. Yeah, but for, for waste charging, I think yeah, it's a it's good start. Okay, um, let's go going back to experience in other cities in Asia, um, which you mentioned a lot. Of. I was looking at some rather alarming statistics out of Japan, which said that sort of um, 68% of areas in Japan faced issues of illegal rubbish dumping. I mean, we tend to think of Japan as a fairly orderly society where people follow rules. So if in Japan you're getting close to 70% of um, areas with illegal dumping, surely in Hong Kong we should expect something similar. Uh, for uh, I think for the like starting period, might we have this kind of issue. But we take like example as Taipei, maybe they will have some hotline or some more information to to uh, let the citizen to inform the government which uh, location is a black point, like everyone is dumb there. And also, I think in Hong Kong is different from Japan. Is Hong Kong is relatively small. Yeah, we are banned city, so it's easier to monitor. And I don't think we always have to afraid that, oh, there is legal dumping, so we will not uh, run the waste charging scheme. But the other side is that we know there is illegal dumping, and actually uh, the government should have a better monitor on those locations because they have already run like the MSW charging trial in many areas. They should know that. Just like what Danny mentioned about is like the incentive. I think it is actually a quite important thing for this scheme. So do you think the government should change their strategy to put more incentive to to the citizens, like give some award or something when we really like following these rules? Mm, yeah, I, I think that the incentive might be like... Um, I think it's more choice for the for our citizens and customers to to buy the products. Like in Hong Kong, there is always so over packaging our product, and also like many things that we cannot choose. Uh, like in other uh, region or country, there are many things that are without packaging, or that packaging is returnable. 
like in Taiwan, they already have a regulation that uh, when you go to the chain store or the convenience store, when you buy the drinks, and you mm. can get a five dollars discount if you bring your own cup, mm. or actually you can uh, have a returnable cup service when you go there. So I think in Hong Kong also it's the same. It's not like also saying uh, always money, but uh, if you have more choice for the customers to to make a zero waste choice, that would be much better. In, in Hong Kong, it's already feasible because. Uh, like Greenpeace is already doing a borrowing return cup program in uh, Hong Kong Island area. So you can see they have a good, uh, very good uh, feedback from the customer. I do think like other chain store or the government can invest more money and with their resources in returnable schemes. Like people can borrow and return the container, then they can reduce their waste and then need not to pay the MSW charging fee. Okay, the uh, municipal waste charging scene coming into effect on April 1st is going to affect all of us, so not surprisingly, a lot of comments coming in from listeners. Um, if you want to join them, you can email backchat at rthkhk, go to our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio free. Let's go through the comments. One of them from uh, a client of Kenny Lamb, who, who's still with us from uh, Love Recycling Plus. Uh, firstly, Ilnor says, uh, my concern is that some people may resort to dumping rubbish on the streets instead of cooperating or complying with this new waste charging scheme. This behaviour would exacerbate street hygiene issues, particularly in old tenement buildings, and create additional work for street cleaners. Moreover, I question the extent to which the public is familiar with the specific details of the scheme. Changing people's habits may require a significant amount of time and effort. Are there any contingency plans in case the scheme does not, in place if the scheme does not go ahead as planned? Personally, I haven't come across any educational materials or videos about this new scheme that aim to educate the public and ensure they are well prepared for its implementation. Considering the adjustments individuals will need to make, I wonder if people will have sufficient time to prioritise recycling while dealing with this issue. Um, And uh, Brett says, it only takes a matter of moments to poke holes in this mandatory bin bag nonsense. Just like the bag levy, make us pay, but give the money to the source of the problem, the shops that handed out so many bags to begin with. And yet again, all this mention of educating us paddy PNs. We're so stupid since we're always deemed to be the problem. Why not just get rid of us? And then every problem, including the next one, we know that we told about, will be solved. Um, and lastly, from Barbara, and Barbara is, uh, well, listen for a moment, Barbara is, uh, is, is Kenny Lamb's uh, uh, client. Uh, Bar- Barbara says, I live in a cycling village and I'm one of Kenny's clients and think he provides a great service. You're just discussing the uh, role of property managers in enforcing the new waste charging rules. My question is, who is going to enforce the rules in villages? There was a pilot scheme in our village last year and the bags were provided for free. But even the largest ones are really small and had a line halfway up saying, do not fill beyond this line. We're going to need bigger bags. Thank you very much, Barbara. Kenny Lamb, I'm sure it's always nice to hear from a satisfied customer. Yes, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that I have, I have customers uh, listening at this time, so I'm very pleased. Thank you. Um, do you have any thought? I mean, we've, we've, so far we've tended to talk about uh, buildings with property management companies and cleaners, but of course there are a lot of people in Hong Kong living in different uh, sort of accommodation, and, and one, one issue that Barbara raises is, is about villages where people are just supposed to um, uh, put their rubbish at sort of, at sort of uh, village dump sites, aren't they? 
Yes, that's correct. So this is going to be one of the kind of main challenges for the government to to kind of monitor and and you know uh, how to how to roll out this scheme for villages because it's not going to be like in a building. It's much harder to uh, to check up and you know who's throwing rubbish into the rubbish bins and so on. So I, I suppose this will have to take um, you know from people's um, self motivation. Um, when they when they know you know this is what the government is doing and they will they will follow the rule and so on, but I think uh, my my initial feeling is that the government is going to start with uh, all the high rise building first from the city, uh, maybe learn from there how we can best monitor it and start rolling out for the uh, for the countryside. So you think there might of course the the law applies all the way across Hong Kong once it comes into force, but you thinking. In reality, the government might focus the enforcement in the urban areas first, and, um, and leave oh, right. yeah, I think it's going to be easier for the government to to do the uh, kind of urban area first, and uh, for the outskirts, it's going to be um, much harder to 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 monitor. And but even in the urban areas, you have problems because there are a lot of old buildings without property management companies. What's going to happen there? Uh, yeah, I, I guess you know some the government will have. Uh, <laughs> Some challenges there to to enforce um, this wage uh, back, and one of the main concerns is that, like Barbara said, uh, people will um, start putting rubbish in street corners and you know places where people don't see. Uh, how, uh, Lian Tam, how about how about these issues about just illegal uh, illegal dumping? You you were saying that you think Hong Kong is 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 uh, is not similar to Japan. Is is, is a, not all parts of it, but many parts are more urban. But you you think there are solutions to these problems? Uh, yeah, because we're more dense, and uh, because uh, Hong Kong government have already do the MSW trial for many years already, collaborate with some NGO and uh, property management uh, uh, staff. So I do think that they should have a friend already for doing a already five to six year trial. Okay, and and how about the issue of um, uh, how about the issue of the in the in, in the countryside in New Territories villages, which our listener was re- referring to? Kenny Lamb saying maybe that that will have to wait until a bit later. What what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think we we have we have to see like our, what the situation is, and I do know that the government also have to do the trial with some villages, yeah, to to their. Uh, um, residents there to let them know their reasonable charging scheme and also I do think that uh, the government should like let people know the hotlines or is there any like channels to let their um, uh, uh, not police but maybe staff of EPD to know that where is their um, uh, worst situation is and let them to handle it. Okay, thank you very much. We're going to have to draw this interesting discussion to a close. Uh, it certainly won't be the last time Backchat's talking about uh, the municipal waste charging scheme that's uh, coming into effect on April the 1st. But for the moment, we'll say goodbye to uh, Kenny Lam, who's the coordinator of uh, Love Recycling Plus, and also uh, to Leanne Tam, who's a campaigner for uh, Greenpeace East Asia. Thank you very much for joining us on Backchat this morning. Uh, moving on, uh, the government has, or the Department of Health has released the key findings from the annual health assessment of 
of the Student Health Service. Student Health Service, of course, um, uh, providing regular checkups for uh, eligible primary and secondary school students uh, across Hong Kong and gathering a lot of data in the process. And unfortunately, it's pretty much all bad news. Uh, the annual health assessment showing a deterioration in uh, students' vision, especially among uh, lower grade primary schools and primary students, and also um, the detection rates of being overweight, which uh, started to increase uh, during COVID and still still remain higher than before COVID. But the one that has really caught, understandably, everyone's attention uh, is the statistic that um, 3.7%, based on the, the information gathered by the student health uh, uh, service assessment. Three uh, percent of uh, secondary school students in Hong Kong had considered um, taking their own lives and 1.6 percent had actually tried to do so. Uh, joining us to uh, discuss uh, these findings, particularly that rather alarming finding, is uh, uh, Dr. Patrick Yip, who is a clinical professor at the Department of Pediatrics and Adolescent Medicine at the University of Hong Kong. Dr. Yip, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning. So what do you make of these findings, and particularly that finding on, 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 uh, on attempted suicides? Uh, you know, uh, we actually uh, 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 are particularly concerned about the data that has just been released uh, by the Student Health Service of the Department of Health recently. Uh, actually, I, we do appreciate actually the Department of Health and the Student Health Service have did a good job. Uh, actually, they have tried their very best to continue to provide the service and also uh, provide assessment and referral of all those uh, children and students during the critical period of COVID. But actually, uh, what they uh, release is... Uh, representative sample of a huge samples of primary and secondary schools in Hong Kong and actually are reflecting some of the problems and concerns that uh, we observe clinically and also uh, uh, from some of the evidence that we collect uh, on ourselves, on our research as well. Now, on, on the side of uh, the uh, suicide and also the suicidal tendency that you just mentioned, uh, I believe uh, most of our uh, colleagues and also uh, the public who are uh, having concern about young children already realized the recent problem and the crisis of the increase in the numbers of attempted suicides among students, particularly after uh, resuming of the physical schooling in the past few months. Now, we have particular concern uh, about uh, the mental health condition and also the stress of the students uh, after uh, uh, all those uh, very stringent uh, contingency measures in the past few years, including uh, lacking of physical uh, social interaction, unable to attend schools, and then joining uh, uh, normal outdoor activities with their peers. And of course, after resuming the physical schooling, the stress uh, from the examinations and then the catching up of the uh, curriculum uh, in the different subjects. And also that we also realize uh, the families in Hong Kong have been facing a lot of stress uh, disturbing the normal uh, family functioning in the past few months, resulting in a lot of uh, concern in a mental health deterioration among our students. Okay, uh, let, let me bring in a uh, very on the this issue of um, suicide. Bring a very helpful comment uh, from uh, listener Bowen in an email. Says the um, <clears throat> the uh, figures given in the health assessment exercise translate into nine thousand two hundred forty planned and four thousand two hundred ninety attempted suicides among students in just twelve months. They're largely a result of a blind push on the students to achieve academic success, compounded by a lack of understanding as opposed to mere awareness on the part of adults of issues of mental health and illness. The most critical aspects are not difficult to grasp. 
Every parent and teacher should be able to recite the nine core symptoms of depression. If any of them notices or suspects five or more of these persisting for over two weeks in a young person, professional support or advice should be sought. Uh, how about that, Dr. Ip? I, I must admit, as a parent myself, I, 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 don't, I don't know the nine core symptoms of depression. Perhaps you could um, uh, mention what uh, parents should be looking out for. Yeah. That, you know, uh, now, that, I, I think that uh, parents and also the public don't need to be in panic uh, because uh, what uh, the uh, Department of Health have been uh, conducting is very similar to many of the research that we have been conducted in Hong Kong and elsewhere in the world. Now, research we are just asking uh, from, from the, the enormous perspective uh, about the tendency of the students. Actually, it, most of the time will be quite different from the clinical observation. But clinically, uh, usually we will advise the parents and also uh, uh, even the professionals to be aware of the students' uh, certain change in their mood. For example, when you realize your students or your youngsters uh, have lost the interest in most of the things that they are eager to do. For example, if they like to check with their, their peers at the nighttime most of the time, they, they like to uh, go outside to play basketball. Uh, they used to actually spend a lot of time playing of electronic games, but suddenly within a short while you think they lose all those interests and then uh, with a lot of mood fluctuation, could probably be a numbing sign. And also uh, withdrawing from the usual activities, refusal uh, to meeting their friends. Now, in particular, when you realize that they have tried to be a, a little bit more secretive, avoiding the situations to let you uh, to actually get into a closer touch about his emotion or even about the uh, arms and the necks, because cutting uh, the wrists or cutting the arms is also some of the early alarming signs of self-harming behavior. Now, so if you find the sudden emotion fluctuation and then uh, uh, very poor interaction and then difficulty in communicating with your child. I think that would be the alarming situation that you should spend more time to talk with his friends and also most likely to communicate more with the school professionals to realize what happened. Yeah, so uh, observating the children, the changing of the children's behavior is very important as yeah. parents. So um, uh, how the how can the authority actually help with this problem, the student psychological problems? Would you like give more help, like encouraging them to to see the uh, therapist when they need, or like teaching the parents to to do something for their kids? Yeah, now we are now uh, actually facing a very critical period uh, with the challenging situation of uh, resuming of the normal physical schooling and the normal society activities after uh, the very stringent measures uh, because of COVID in the past few years. Now, uh, we actually now encourage uh, much more positive uh, social interactions. We actually encourage the students and the parents to just to go outdoors, to enjoy the more positive activities, particular outdoor uh, sports activities which are one of the means, actually, to promote mental well-being and also to improve uh, the neurotransmitters, particular dopamine and the different new, uh, important neurotransmission in the you know, in nervous system, which would actually help to improve the mood as well as to strengthen the resilience of the individual subject. But a uh, primary measure should be the uh, most important aim to go uh, at the school and also at the family level. Now, at the school level, we will encourage uh, the professionals and also our education policymakers try to shift the focus a little bit, not just focusing mm -hmm. on the examination, but actually focusing on how to build up the resilience and then to build up the trusting and peer relationship within the student peer group uh, at this 
critical moment as quickly as possible. They should encourage much more positive youth development activities like doing sports, uh, doing interesting games together. And we particularly encourage the parents to spend more time after office hour to do sports or to do some outdoor good quality parental activities together with the children. But as you mentioned, uh, the support uh, at the medical side or at the professional side, of course, is important. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, that will be the time that we need to review our system to see how we could actually inject more tailor-made quality service in order to have early identification of those high-risk cases and to support the DT children as early as possible. I, I want to pick up on something you mentioned earlier. I mean, these student health uh, survey, service findings are, 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 are very serious, but you, you said that uh, we shouldn't get too alarmed about them, that um, I think you said there's a difference between the tendency that may be picked up in some of these surveys and um, what you actually see through clinical observation. I'm not sure if you're saying that sometimes students might respond in these surveys saying things which are not necessarily what they're not actually intending to do. Is, is that right? Or what, what, yeah. what, what's your, what's your yeah. the, what you, meaning? You know, uh, because uh, my, myself is a clinician, of course. We are looking after a lot of uh, vulnerable children and then uh, taking care of those uh, who are in, in a more critical condition. But also we are also academics uh, doing a lot of research. Now, every research and every questionnaire would have its own limitation. For example, the reliability of those data and also the individual would situation when they are completing the questionnaire and of course how the question was being asked. So uh, usually data uh, from research would give us a very good guidance and very informative evidence for us to work on. Uh, what uh, we are actually trying to share with the parents is don't go into panic just because of the, the, the sudden release of this data but actually clinically we, we are still have, having concern at the, at the same direction that uh, clinically and also uh, by all those public uh, information we already realized that there was is an increasing lead of the mental health support of our children and students in Hong Kong. So this should be the direction to go, but don't go into panic. Yeah, and also actually I think because for the Chinese family, in my experience, it's like the parents are not taking very uh, serious about the mental health issue. Maybe they are just thinking about their kid are just getting some pressure from school examination or from friends at school so they don't pay a lot like very taking it very serious so do you think that educating the parents are actually equally important in this case yeah, I fully agree. Then, you know, uh, educating parents uh, is not just a, uh, a, a concern in Chinese culture, but also a concern in other Asian or, or some, even in some Western societies. Mm. Now, what we promote is positive parenting, trying to uh, interact more with your children. Don't just use them negative punishment. Now, as you mentioned, uh, earlier we have some longitudinal research uh, locally and, uh, and internationally showing that uh, having negative physical punishment or too harsh or excessive pressure on the student's uh, performance or behavior sometimes can result in very severe uh, child abuse and neglect, resulting in actually significant long-term mental health risk. Uh, suicide and also depression and all those sorts of contact disorders are those well-known long-term risks because of the early neglect and also negative punishment. Okay, we're almost out of time, but just briefly, you mentioned overseas experience. Is there anything we can learn from overseas experience in this area? Now, you, you know... Uh, 
During the COVID uh, period, uh, actually, we have faced a lot of very similar challenges elsewhere in the world. But when the Western world, for example, UK, when they are uh, resuming physical schooling and then the normal activities, uh, they actually have, have spent a lot of time to encourage the families and the schools to sit down and then to communicate more in order to formulate some more effective plan and strategies to support the lead of the children, particularly their mental well-being during the recovery period. So we actually uh, can learn from all those experiences that our schools and our parents actually can sit down and work together, trying to uh, uh, list out some of the key strategies that can help to build up the resilience and then the trust relationship between the schools and the students, and let the students actually building up a much stronger buffering system to seek for help from their friends, from their teachers, from professionals, and from parents when they are feeling stressed. Okay, thank you very much. We're going to have to draw it to close there. Thank you very much to uh, uh, Dr. Patrick Ip uh, from uh, the University of Hong Kong, talking about those findings for student health session. That's all from uh, Backchat today. Thank you very much, Carr. Thank uh, you. Tomorrow, Andrew and uh, Mike Rouse will be here. So join us for Backchat again tomorrow.